welcome everyone to the I Am Hunter podcast. We've got Robert Borsak here uh, from the Shooters, Fishers, Farmers Party, Robert Borsak, MLC, um, member of the Legislative Council um, and leader of the SFFP. Um, welcome, Robert. Thank you. Good yeah, no, to It's good to have you here. Good to have you here. Um, so I guess we're going to ask you a couple of questions today. Um, uh, a lot of it, or some of it's going to be around hunting. Some of it's going to be around politics. Um, and uh, by all means, you know, go for your life. Answer as, as you see see fit. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll, um, the, the podcast will take a life of its own. Um, first of all, how about you tell us a bit about yourself and your background um, and mm. uh, how you got involved, I guess, in all of this. Well, I suppose if you go right back, I mean, I'm, I, I didn't have the luck, I suppose, or the, uh, the opportunity really as a, as a boy to get involved at all in the bush. And my parents came to Australia. I was born in Australia, but I'm just—I was an urban kid yeah. uh, in Sydney, uh, and um, uh, I really—it's it's funny you talk about it because I actually went and revisited my old high school uh, a couple of weeks ago on Friday, and uh, I went to the library where I, I actually saw my first outdoors magazine, yeah. <laughs> and that's really what got me going on a bit of fishing and a bit of hunting and all those sorts of things. But prior to that, I was also—I was in the Scouts. My father, one of the first things he did was put my brother and I in, into scouting because he was at scouts when he was in Poland when he was a boy. Yeah. And he said, oh, you know, you really need to get involved. You've got to understand what the bush is. You want to go out there and all sort of things. Uh, and so I went right through scouting, got McQueen Scout, Duke of Edinburgh Award and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I sort of wandered away from that. Funnily enough, of course, my wife is actually still tied up in it because she, I met her actually in scouting. Right. Uh, when we were in, uh, in, in, um, uh, well, when you become adult scouts anyway, but yeah. I was a scouter and she was as well. But anyway, the long and the short of it is, I, I started uh, a bit of uh, skin diving, uh, a bit of uh, spear fishing. That's how I really got started. I made my own spears, I made my own, had all the stuff. Yeah. Used to, uh, but I didn't have any money like any, any young, you know, sort of 13 or 14 year old, I had nothing. Uh, so I would try, but not do very well. And I, could, I didn't have the gear to get down really deep to try and get those big cod or whatever they were. I could see them, but I couldn't get at them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and uh, I suppose it evolved through high school. Um, uh, one of my friends at school, his father had a property down the south coast, and I went and bought my first shotgun. I think when I was probably fifteen. Yeah. You uh, started just, off with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shooting rabbits. Yeah. yeah. And uh, his father had a three hundred three, and we used to shoot, well, any, shoot anything and everything around the place with a three hundred three, whether it was kangaroos or wallabies or something. And yeah. we used to do a whole lot of long walks and long hunts, but mostly it was rabbits we were shooting. Yeah. and a few foxes in those days and uh, we would occasionally I, I, I bought, then I bought a 22 and I sort of evolved through that process um, and uh, I think when I was about 19 I first I, I started that I started getting interested in uh, in deer hunting and uh, I thought well how do you do that and in New South Wales in those days there's no public land hunting um, a, a boy from the city uh, who doesn't know any mon- much on the land has got deer uh, what do you do so mm. in the end I joined the New South Wales Deer Stalkers Association, right. which was probably the only one in those days that was floating around. Yeah. I think the, the ADA in Victoria was there, but they never they didn't have a branch in New South Wales in those days. Oh, okay. And in fact, I, I also had a Labrador, and I was I joined the Field and Game Association too, but I didn't have the money or the gear to get around with those guys, and they were pretty insular. They weren't really interested in bringing young guys on, yeah, yeah, as yeah. far as I was concerned. Yeah. So I didn't. I, I, I had a Labrador Retriever, but. I joined, actually joined the Laboratory Retriever Club, but again, that was in Victoria. It wasn't here in New South Wales. So yeah. anyway, the long and the short of it is I ended up hunting deer up around Glen Innes, and I sort of evolved from there. 
um, 19, it was 1982, I was a foundation member of Safari Club in Australia, yep. Australia South Pacific chapter. Um, by about 1990, 91, I was the president of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of how my sort of almost political involvement got a bit involved. I, uh, we, we worked very hard trying to lobby. We actually paid lobbyists. Well, we went to Canberra a couple of times trying to get people to uh, listen to us and I got thrown out of some of the best offices in Canberra in those days. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Ros Kelly, for example. So I remember we turned up there with a, with a Labor Party lobbyist and she said, I don't talk to people like you, go away. Right. Yeah, that was what she said. Yeah. So I thought, mm, thank, thank you very much for nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought, mm. and then uh, John Tingle formed the party in 92. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I found out about it through the uh, Sporting Shooter magazine or something like that. And uh, I joined pretty early. Um, by 95, I was chairman of the party. John got yeah. elected in 95. Um, and uh, yeah, that's sort of how it evolved. I never actually ever wanted to actually go into Parliament to, to do the politics. I was always yeah, happy because yeah. I, I, I had another life. I'm an accountant by profession and a businessman. So, okay. I, and I've still got business interests. Um, and uh, then 99, I sort of got out of it for a while. Then in, by 2002, I retired mm-hmm. uh, into semi-retirement anyway. By 2003, I was back on the committee of the party again. And by 2004, I was chairman again. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens again I had a grand old time between 2002 and 2010 uh, in 2007 I got um, uh, Roy Smith in those days was the CEO of the SSAA in New South Wales okay. really good guy uh, we, we had our ups and downs with the SSAA over the years but he really was a good bloke he could talk to him he understood how it worked I nominated him to uh, come on board as our second uh, potentially our second member in the upper house there and yep. uh, uh, basically because he came on I suppose there was a focus on it amongst the shooting fraternity in New South Wales and he got elected okay he got elected with a very good vote yep. and um, yeah what happened after that oh then uh, I, I prior to that John Tingle retired in 2006 I uh, nominated um, Robert Brown to come on board Robert had done a lot of hard and good work around public land hunting in the game council in New South Wales yeah uh, and between all the years, geez, he, he worked his, he worked very, very hard. Uh, and between him and Tingle, they got the thing off the ground. Uh, the program went live in 2006, based on 2002-2003 legislation. Yeah. Uh, and that was a major watershed in New South Wales, because what it did was it gave the opportunity uh, for hunters to be able to, you know, people who want to take up hunting who didn't have the involvement uh, just as I didn't in the early days, yeah, yeah. to go in and buy a license, go online, book a hunt, and yeah. or go into a public land. And that, that process, even though we had uh, uh, that scumbag O'Farrell destroy the, the Game Council in 2013, yeah. the reality is that uh, that, that program is still running, it's still successful, yeah, yeah. and it's still operating very well uh, to this day. Uh, Forest New South Wales, running, it's running in state forests and other crown land. Uh, they pay nothing for their feral animal control. Yeah, yeah. But what happens, of course, is hunters come out of the city, they go to the bush uh, and spend a lot of money there. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also yeah. do the right thing. They shoot foxes, they shoot rabbits, they shoot yeah. they shoot deer, you name it. They and do pigs it. and goats and everything pigs else. And yeah. goats I and grew everything. up in New South Wales myself, so... Yeah, so you, you, know, know, you know what mm, it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Roy suddenly died in um, overnight in 2010. Yeah. Uh, and... In, in August or September and 
And uh, no, it was, sorry, it was in August, I think it was, or might, might have been late July. We had an AGM in August. I actually had a hunt booked uh, to go to Africa in September. Yeah. And I, and I, I didn't, I haven't covered it, but I did, I've done a lot of African hunting and North American hunting over the years as well. Yeah, yeah. Basically through the Safari Club stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Roy suddenly and unfortunately passed away uh, and the party asked me to take over. I was chairman at the time. So I, mm. I thought about it and I thought, oh yeah, okay, I'll give it a go. So that, that's actually what happened. And uh, so in September, after I came back from Zimbabwe, I went over there elephant hunting again. Yeah. Um, I, um, I, I was sworn in and I've been in Parliament ever since. Right, wow. okay. Excellent. That's how I got to where I am today. Yep. I did not intend ever to, ever to step into the uh, into the parliament itself. It was just more a support role I was always interested in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Well, thanks very much for that. But before we go on much further, you mentioned elephant hunting, and I wanted to bring up something that, <laughs> um, that. <laughs> that I've that I've heard about, and and this was about you talking about eating elephant, and you presented this in parliament or said mentioned this in parliament. Yeah. Is that sure. correct? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, uh, we had one of the Greens in there who was a singular failure. He served one term and got lost lost out in the in the last election in March this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy Buckingham, he always thought he was a clever Green, but of course he was a dumb Green like most of them. <laughs> and uh, and I never make... I, look, what most of these people don't realise is I put it out there. I yeah. released all the photos of my elephant hunting back in 2009. Yeah, I yeah. I put them yeah. on John Hahn's Nitro Express website. Yep. And then when the media came and said to me, what are you doing about hunting? I thought, okay, I pointed them at it and that's how the whole thing got started. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. It, you know, it wasn't anything secret. Yeah. You know, I actually released it because I want people to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm quite happy for people to have a go at me. Yeah. Uh, I'm quite happy for all of that because I want people engaged and for every idiot out there that reads the uh, green propaganda, uh, there'll be at least five or six people say, well, what's really behind this? And yeah, go, that's yeah. right. And yeah, I'll go yeah. and have a look at the conservation benefits of all these things. Yeah. As far as that was concerned, that was something he said in Parliament. He said, oh, I suppose you eat them, do you? And I said, of course I do. I said, why would, I, why would you waste good meat? Yeah, uh, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the media picked up on it and, uh, and it got a life of its own. I think that's even better. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think later on I said to him, well, they make good sausage too. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the fact is that even with elephants and all of those animals over there, if you, you don't eat them yourself, if you've hunted them, they still get eaten. Well, that's, absolutely that's right. Thing. I mean, I've... I've shot eight elephants over the years, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they're literally a smear on the ground within 12 hours. Yeah. yeah. They're gone because yeah. the people there uh, utilize them, the skins, every part of it's utilized, even, yeah. the, even the marrow and the bone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and they're still not killing enough elephants in the areas where they're overpopulated, like yeah, Kruger, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. Awangi, uh, parts yeah. of the Zambezi Valley. Uh, yeah, I could I could rattle them all off. They're, yeah, you know, parts of Botswana Botswana's as well. Getting Botswana, ridiculous. they're just dying now yeah. because yeah. they're... They're, they're literally destroying stuff. their own habitat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's certainly interesting that that. Uh, what does it taste like, by the way? I, I haven't eaten yeah. elephant myself, so tastes like steak to me. Like most yeah. other meat. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. All I know is it's very, very tough. Yeah. Um, just like any, uh, they make biltong out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just meat. That's all, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I love yeah. To taste yeah. elephant biltong. Yeah. yeah. We we have our own biltong recipe, which we've put like a little Australian you know, swing on it. So we use Vegemite in it and it's so good. <laughs> it is so amazing. We, look, I've, I've done I've done a lot of, uh, I've, compared to some friends of mine, I haven't done a lot of elephant hunting, but 
Mm. Um, some of the guys go every year and that's what they do and they yeah. really enjoy it and, and, I, and I really enjoy it too but yeah. I, yeah. I find I, I want to, I get back and want to do some other things so yeah. I, go yeah. back, I go back and do other types of hunting over there as well Yeah, it's funny because when I uh, when I didn't work here and I worked somewhere else we were going on a trip to Africa and everyone was fine with it that I worked with they were all like oh that, that sounds great they knew I was going hunting but the one thing they said to me was Oh, you're not going to hunt elephant or giraffe, are you? It's like, but what's the difference between hunting an elephant or a giraffe to hunting an antelope? No, again, again, this is just cultural nonsense. Yeah. It's like someone says, oh, like the Greens tried to introduce a bill into the, into Parliament two weeks ago, saying, uh, sorry, the animal justice people, the animal rights yeah, people, yeah, said, yeah, oh, yeah. we want to, we're, we're, we want to, we're going to, you know, we want to introduce a bill to make it illegal to eat dogs and cats. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean. <laughs> It's just purely cultural. If a Chinese person or someone else, Vietnamese, wants to eat a cat or a dog, I know Aboriginal people in Central Australia eat cats. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Yeah. I mean, if I, yeah. if I wanted to eat, you know, what did they do down in the Antarctic when they were starving? They ate their dogs mm. and the livers. Poisoned yeah. them, but they ate them. Yeah. Well, it's putting, yeah. it's putting more value on one animal than another animal. And I, oh, it's, I it's, don't think there's it's a point a, in doing that. It's a strange urban icon that's really been promoted to death. I mean, I even had some, I'm standing for the board... Funnily enough, of the Polish club at the moment, there's in Asheville, there's a, there's a Polish community club, and, yeah. and they asked me to stand for the board, and I said I wouldn't. Then there was actually a silly woman that actually sent an email out saying, "Did you realise this man eats elephants?" Well, <laughs> Amongst other things. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, that's not late. <laughs> hello. Yeah. I mean, join the real world, you fool. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because in the West, we have categories of protein. You know, and, um, and which doesn't exist anywhere else in the no, world. No, no, it's know. it's pretty strange. You see, Peter put those ads up in North America too, where you know along the continuum you draw a line here, and everything on the right side you eat, everything on the left you don't. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I'd actually, yeah. if I had to, I'd put the the line at the very end because if I had to, I'd eat the bloody lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just a matter of how hungry you yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. How desperate exactly. you are at the time. That's right. Yeah. You know, and and the value of the resource as well. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, places like Africa especially where a lot of people here have an opinion about, but they haven't actually experienced. They, they don't actually know what those But even the opinion's not well found. It exactly. also kind of shows the privilege of people that live here as well and, yeah. and yes. in, in first world countries because people in Africa, they, they don't care what it is. If it's food, it's food. Yeah. And so they'll eat it. Yep. But here it's like, oh no, you can't eat that. Yeah. No, that's, that's a majestic animal. It's like, well, that's, that's the whole, exactly right. I mean, it's just stupid. And that's taken to the logical it's log or illogical extreme, you know, with vegans who say, well, you shouldn't eat any animal. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. it's sentient? Or well, so yeah. what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. How yeah. do we get to where we are? Yeah. I've yeah. had this discussion myself many times <laughs> with a number of them that, you know, I, like, I, I mean, probably the majority of the hunting we do each year is crop protection based. Mm. We hunt on a number of farms here and we shoot wallabies, kangaroos, uh, deer, um, possums, possums um, you know, and, and we shoot a lot of them. And the ones, like, for, for the most part, the, the wallabies, some of the kangaroos will go to dog meat, um, but um, a lot of the kangaroos will take the meat out of those. Um, the deer, we definitely take the meat out of. Um, but, you know, th there's always, uh, like, the possums and all this other, and it's crop protection. You're actually, you're keeping them off crops, yeah, you know, yeah. when you're doing this, you yeah. know. Your sulfur-crested cockatoos are another one. Your, your certain ducks, you know, and things like this. Yes, at certain yes. times of the year outside of the season, we've got permits for that. 
you know. Yeah. And, and those things, yes, we take them and we use them, but we don't have to. The permits don't specify that we have to. We just do that because we enjoy that part of it. Well, that's, you know. that raises the other thing too. I mean, the people, like you're supposed to somehow rather feel guilty because you're, you're killing something. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, life and death's a continuum. Yeah. And I'm going to die one day. I mean, maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get stamped by an elephant. Yeah. You know, and that'll that'll give the greenies and all the rest of the animal rights people a great bit of joy. Yeah. But in yeah. the end, I mean, it's just part of what you do. Yeah. Uh, you'll be alive one day. You'll be dead another day. Uh, that's the way it is. Uh, yeah. yeah who, who really cares? If something eats me, that's fine. That's it. You know, it's a circle of life and death. You know. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's, there's no such thing as uh, Walt Disney. You know, life in per- perpetuity and all, all sweet. And, you know, it's just it's nonsensical. But it's the ever-increasing urbanization of society is mm. what's is what's creating this and making it worse and worse but um that and the disneyfied like yeah, you know, that yeah. kind of um glamour glamorization of of animals being somehow human you know well it's, yeah. it, that's right it's it's creating creating anthropomorphism yeah anthropomorphism yeah. that's right yeah. but uh look i i i think that's a key part of what we do it that's part of where we link into the farming side of things, where we link into the fishing side of things as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, to try to bring people back to some sort of sense of reality. So maybe that's a good segue. Tell us, um, how does the party itself, um, uh, I guess, uh, uh, integrate with those three communities? Because in some ways they're separate and in some ways they're the same. Um, I mean, I, like I fish and I hunt and I also, mm-hmm. I, I grew up on farms. Uh, not everyone's like that. Um, we do crop protection on farms and stuff like this, but there are differing opinions between, uh, I guess, what the farmer needs, what what a hunter th- feels yeah, they yeah, need, what a fisherman yeah. feels they need, you know, and, and things yeah. like this. So, look, I think I think there's uh, you know, the party started as a shooters party. Yeah, it's part a party fundamentally of freedom. Yeah. that's where it started. Yeah, um, and and nineteen ninety two, long before Howard got involved with his gun laws. Yeah, uh, and, it, and it was it was because of what was happening in New South Wales at the time too. Right. Um, as a reaction to the ever increasing um, involvement of government in uh, in the uh, the sport of hunting, uh, sorry, the cultural activity of hunting and the sport of pistol shooting. Yeah. Because John John Tingle in those days was primarily a pistol shooter. Yeah. And it just they were just making it harder and harder and worse and worse. Um, and over time, we found that uh, the involvement of people in our branches. Uh, there was a very large, and, and I'm a fisho as well, crossover between fishos. And we had a number of, over a number of years, uh, the proposals put up at the annual general meeting that we should introduce fishing. Yeah. Look, in the end, it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, if you're a hunter or a shooter, you will never be more than about 4% of the population. Yeah. That's yeah. what it gets down to. So it gets down to hard knocks politics. Do you want to stay a fringe group? Yeah. Or do you want to actually build something that's going to have some influence and the opportunity to change the political direction of this country. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we decided at, at, at one of those uh, AGMs, one of those annual conferences, we had a debate, we decided, yeah, this is worth doing, so we brought the fishing side in. Yeah. And we've advocated and worked very hard, even as, as late as August last year in New South Wales, the uh, the removed from reality coalition government decided they were effectively going to ban recreational fishing in New South Wales coastal waters by creating twenty three new twenty three new marine parks. Mm. Now we campaigned. I led the campaign against it, and they folded it like that. Yeah, yeah. You know because there's five hundred six hundred thousand licensed fishers in yeah. New South Wales. Yeah. 
Um, I might add the fishers are not very engaged. Yeah. Um, but because I've always taken it for granted, oh, we can just go down the go down the local pier, or we can go down, yeah, and take yeah, a boat yeah, out yeah. and have a fish. Yeah. Um, but they don't understand, and and maybe after that campaign in New South Wales, I don't know that it's as bad in Tasmania and other yeah. places yet. Yeah. yeah. But the reality Tassie's is, Tassie's getting getting that. Oh, way, believe me. The gentrification you know. of society will get you that way. Yeah. Especially when you start seeing competition between the Greens and the animal rights people. Yeah. Uh, you'll see the Greens become more extreme. Even yeah. in places like this, yeah, yeah. Um, so we we introduced we introduced the fishing side. We've seen a gradual building of our votes over the years, uh, and our focus of always was in the upper house of Parliament because yeah. in the New South Wales that was seen to be an easier uh, run for us. And of course, we ended up with two members after two thousand and seven. We've still got two members now yeah. in the upper house. Um, then in two thousand and sixteen, after the two thousand and fifteen election state election in New South Wales. We actually did have some members of our party that were turning up at conferences and saying, well, you should think about doing something for farmers and these are the reasons why. Yeah. And they talked about various things around native vegetation. They talked about uh, water issues. They talked about uh, uh, other restrictions and controls that state government was putting on um, farming, farmers and farming in New South Wales. Yeah. Animal, the animal rate related issues weren't featuring at that stage. Uh, there was a little bit of stuff talked about in relation to live exports and things like that but the animal rights people hadn't really started to assert themselves yet yeah I mean uh, not like you're seeing now and so after the state election in 2015 we did a little bit of testing and we thought well we can see a logical extension um, especially after representations we had in New South Wales from New South Wales farmers that um, they should do something or that we should consider doing something to help farmers on native vegetation law, for example. Yeah. And then that sort of morphed itself into, well, maybe we should actually talk to and introduce farming and farmers as part of our, uh, um, you know, interest groups. Um, yeah. Because it is a much lighter, and that, again, that's another political decision. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, we knew that farms, farmers and farming were having problems with the city-based so-called nationals and to a lesser degree the liberals the yeah. liberals of course call the shots uh, in that coalition but we didn't realize yeah. actually how bad and how much on the nose uh, the nationals were right uh, in the bush certainly in new south wales i mean in new south wales at the before the last state election they started with about 17 or 18 seats they're down to about 13 now yeah wow so yeah. and we've taken three of them yeah yeah so yeah so that that's that's really how it goes, you know. I mean, I think we've probably come to the end of our putting that extensions on our name. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the commonality yeah. to the yeah. whole thing is the bush. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and as a shooter, uh, even though I've never been a farmer, um, yeah. but I'm a hunter and I'm a gatherer, um, I understand conservation from that point of view. Mm. Um, I'm not a protectionist like the Greens are. There's plenty to fight against and there's plenty to fight for yeah. uh, with farmers and farming, especially in New South Wales. The water issue is really what's sparked the really big fight, in, certainly in New South Wales, and the development of uh, the issues around the bastardisation of the Murray-Darling Basin Plan, for example. Yeah, I won't bore yeah. you with the detail of that now, but yeah, yeah. the reality is that an irrigation system that was set up for over 100 years, over 100 years ago now has its, as its primary purpose not irrigating, but environmental flows. Yeah. Now that can only be because the major parties, including the nationals, 
have sold out to City Boat Greens, mm -hmm. whether that's in South Australia, Victoria, and in New South Wales. Mm. So, uh, and that's why, you, as recent as last night, you had um, you had uh, the Prime Minister and the uh, Minister for Water making big play of the fact that they're going to sell cheaply a hundred, I think, megalitres of water uh, from South Australia back into the New South Wales market to try to buy some support. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not going to work. It's interesting all how all these, these power plays carry on and how one of the things that um, is kind of concerning, as you, you touched on it a little bit before, about some people being in our communities, whether it's hunting, fishing or farming, um, uh, being kind of disengaged with what's happening, you know, on the on their front. And and if I were just to, to make an example, especially in the fishing world, fishing is kind of easy to do. You, like, yeah. Unless you want to go big game fishing, you know, mm -hmm. you can kind of quickly grab a rod, chuck it in the back of the car, you know, run down to the local, you know, whatever, the beach or whatever, and flick, you know, and start flicking in a, you know, a, a lure well, they or whatever. Make that illegal in New South Wales. Yeah, that's that, and this is my yeah, point. That, yeah. the, but the ease of it makes it kind of um, a, a little bit. Um, it's like it, oh, it's it's no problem. I'll always be able to do that kind no. of thing, you yeah. know. Where it, you, so you don't have to really plan it to do it, you know. You just chuck your rods in the car, away you go. Um, where hunting is is obviously way more planned for the most part. You need to know where you're going, what you're going to do, how long you're going to be there, all that yep. kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and farming, of course, is absolutely planned. You have to plan this from start to finish, or you're going to fail. You know, um, and but it, 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 what's interesting is is the common disengagement with a with within you know a, a number of those communities, all three of those communities at times, with what's happening to their access. Yes. And uh, and what's happening to the licensing conditions around their access. Yep. You know, and how much for me. What, what I look at and what's important to me is I want subsistence capability. I want to be able to go and shoot and hunt and fish my own food. And I like that part of it. I really enjoy that. I love having, you know, and as you can see, you know, we've got trophies on the walls and stuff like this. And, and, and I love being able to hunt something that's really cool. And, it, it, you know, I can put that on my wall as a representation of something that we've done and achieved, you know, and, and been a part of that hunt. But the most of it is about subsistence, you know, and that kind of, you know, having meat and having our own thing to be able to do yeah, and yeah, sharing right. that with others yeah, as well. Yeah. And, and that's the part of it that, um, you know, while the Australian government might say tomorrow, we're not going to allow trophies to come back into the country or whatever else, like the British government is about to do, you know, or trying to do it at, at, right as we speak. Mm, mm. Um, and, uh, well, you see the you Australian know, government do it going right back as far as Hawke. I mean, yeah, yeah, they, exactly. banned, they banned all elephant products coming into Australia. Yeah. You know, this was going to protect the elephants. Well, hello. Yeah, yeah, what, exactly. What good has it done? No, it's done purely for political purposes. And, and it's it recently, doesn't stop they, and starve either. Same with cats no. as well. All yeah. the cat species and stuff like that. Yeah, you can't bring leopards in. You can't. Now, now they ban lions. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, uh, you know, Minister Hunt told me, oh, we can't tell which ones are legal and which ones aren't. Well, you know, you know which ones were shot in pens and which weren't. And I, I told him, I said, that's just a cop-out, mate. Yeah. You know yeah. yeah. In the end of the day, this was all about getting Jason Wood re-elected. Yeah. That's what that was all about. So they're prepared to sacrifice good conservation yeah. for one lousy seat. And, yeah. that, and we see this all the time with yeah. these people. We see it all. A Labor, Liberal, Nationals all do the same. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a... So, it wasn't until we actually got our, ourselves involved in the latest election, or certainly going back from 2016, 
There were a number of issues involved and I resolved then to push the party into the lower house because we've been sitting in the upper house of New South Wales, it's a bit of a lottery. You mm. go from one election every four years to the next, whether you're going to have any influence or not. Yeah. And even if you have influence, and we found that out with this uh, in New South Wales, the coalition government coming in in 2011 after 16 years of labour, uh, where they pretty much destroyed the timber industry uh, by uh, by declaring um, green, um, sorry, declaring environmental uh, areas, declaring um, yeah, marine yeah. parks, declaring too, national yeah. parks. Yeah. This wipe out the wipe out the timber industry. Um, so we, 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 we had some influence in the upper house in the first four years, we had none in the next four years. That's the, the last two terms, they're into their third term now. And uh, the deals we did with them to try to get some stuff done in the first four years where we had the balance of power in the upper house, um, they reneged on. Yeah. They just lied. And you know, to, me, to me as a new politician, I only started there literally six months before they won government. Yeah. Um, I thought there's an education for you. Uh, we ain't going to repeat that under under my watch. Yeah. So the first opportunity we really had to run for a lower house seat was uh, uh, the seat of Orange came up for by election in two th- end of towards the end of 2016. Yeah. And and um, we campaigned very hard in that election uh, with the help of, of some of the media uh, jocks in Sydney, uh, and we won the seat of Orange by 56 votes. Yeah. And that was a first lower house seat we've ever won uh, and it surprised me as, every, as much as everybody else so, yeah yeah uh, and that was we had the farmers name in there we entered, we put farmers in in April we campaigned in November uh, but it was really done on the back of the government announced that they were going to ban greyhound racing in, in 2015 yeah yeah just like that overnight within 12 months Baird got on Facebook and said you're all gone you're all despicable bugger off yeah you're all yeah. cruel go away yeah. And, and of course, he lost his premiership over it. We won our first seat. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of other major issues of, of uh, high-handed approach to governance that he had, uh, which hurt them in the uh, in the polls. And uh, yeah, that was a sort of start for us. We won our first seat. They didn't take us take us seriously. They convinced themselves we're going to win the seat back at this election that we had this year. Yeah. Um, but uh, Donato, Phil Donato, who's the member there won by a massive majority of 65% two-party preferred. Yeah. That was coming yeah. off a base of, 60, of 56 votes. <laughs> That's all in yeah, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, we also campaigned very hard with the excellent team that Philip runs and support, um, sorry, leads. Um, we won another two seats and we ran in, I think, 23 or 25 seats in the lower house. And yeah. we won two and we renewed orange. So we had three lower house seats, whereas three years ago we had zero. Yeah. So yeah. now it's, that's why you're seeing the panic in the face of the nationals yep. in New South Wales, and you're actually now for the first time I've I've seen the whites of the eyes of the prime minister because he's talking about giving or selling cheap water. Yeah. Of course, what they're doing is too little, too late. Yeah. 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 The whole Murray Darling Basin plan needs to be dumped, revised, and put back to what it was originally created for, and that was agriculture. Yeah. yeah. Agricultural irrigation. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Interesting. Um, a little bit of a segue. Uh, trophy hunter or trophy hunting um, so we talked about like subsistence and stuff and obviously that's something that I've, I've really enjoyed but but also we have um, we have trophies on the wall and one of the things that I've seen or certainly we've seen uh, uh, both as a business uh, and as an as a like presenting advocacy as well um, as part of our business is this um, kind of real anti-flow against 
trophy, this this word trophy. Um, and it really it gets up my nose because I sit there and I watch people go and buy a thousand dollar handbag that's leather. Well, that's not and, a trophy. And it is. Or buy a diamond ring. That's not a trophy. Yep. Leather shoes, <laughs> leather, leather, leather in your car, you know, all this is, kind of stuff. You know, and and you know, they'll leave they'll leave Italian salami. You know, bracelet, that's not a trophy. Which has got generally got pony it's in it. You know, though that that even hunters themselves have convinced themselves that it's a bad thing. Like, I've had hunters come up saying, oh, no, 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 I did it for meat. I didn't do it for the yeah, trophy. Because and it's yeah. like, but because what's they, the difference? They, the meat is a trophy. I actually started the other way. I, yes. I was a total and complete converted uh, trophy hunter. That's all I ever did. Yeah. I used to take some meat. Yeah. But I, I didn't make salamis. I didn't make, you know, I'd take back straps and some behind legs. Yeah. And, and But my primary concern was trying to find an old stag to shoot that had a good head. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got probably 60 or 80 trophies in my house. Yeah. I've got the stage where I can hardly fill up the walls anymore. But, yeah. um, but I, but I, you know, I, I mean, I, my two boys, um, I, ever since they were five or six, were hunting with me, and over time, uh, we evolved. Uh, it, I suppose when I was involved with the game council back in the early two thousands is when the Brian Boyle uh, was the CEO, and he said, Robert, you've got to think more about eating meat, uh, eating the animals. And I said, Well, I always do. He said, Yeah, but you've got to go more, one hundred percent. Yeah, not ninety, fifty percent or something. You know, I, yeah. I always used to Did take the choice cuts. Yeah. I always used to take the choice cuts. Yeah, and uh, and nothing else, you know. Yeah, but um, it's uh, it's interesting because uh, you know, if you're going to utilise an animal, you should utilise. And I've evolved and changed my thinking on it. You should utilise the whole animal. Yeah, and if it's a, if it's a good trophy, great. Mm. If it's not. Don't worry about it. Mm. Just take the whole animal and yeah. utilise the whole animal, um, whether it's whether it's the skin, whether it's the antlers. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, yeah. what part of it. I mean, you know, we eat a lot of the organs in our place. You know, we we eat a lot of deer livers. Yeah, I love heart. Yeah, heart um, kidneys, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's it's great stuff. You should try it. Yeah. The heart yeah. especially. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we, we've, we've cooked had, it. Yeah. I, I love hot. Yeah. I like oh, it better good. than backstabs yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You cook it really, up with really some nice. bacon and some butter and onion oh, yeah, and it's amazing. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Well, I've, I've introduced yeah. a lot of people to it and then once they get started, they can't leave it alone. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It hasn't got the same taste as a kidney, for example, but uh, it's still yeah. very, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so, you know, look, I'm, I've been a, I'm an avid trophy hunter. I still mm. am to this day. Yeah. Um, at the end of this month, I'm going to go to... Uh, Canada to Saskatchewan, uh, whitetail yep. hunting. Yeah, right. Eh? Um, yeah. So uh, uh, you know, do a late season whitetail hunt in the snow. So fantastic. We'll see how it goes. That sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's going to be cold. Yeah. 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 What's it, yeah, like? Um, what's your favourite thing to hunt? A lot so of people, far, a lot anyway. of people ask me that question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I like everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, there's no hunting I don't like, mm-hmm. including fishing. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I think mountain hunting is what I really like doing. So yeah. I like, uh, I've done quite a bit of over the years tar hunting in New Zealand. New Zealand is really yeah. a fantastic country for that sort yeah. of adventure, high country adventure hunting, um, especially tar and chamois. Yeah. Um, I've done some sheep hunting in North America, uh, in Alaska and um, British Columbia. Yeah. Been very lucky. I've done some elk hunting there as well. Yeah. New Mexico. Uh, I think that uh, I suppose from a favourites point of view, they're, they're my favourites because it takes a fair bit of physical exertion to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you need to stay reasonably fit. Yeah. Um, 
I've done myself a bunch of injuries over the years. I've torn all my ligaments off my shoulder doing backpack hunts in New Zealand and yeah. things like that. Um, but uh, there's yeah, there's there's no there's no replacement in my mind for as you're coming up to the ridge, just thinking, well, what's on the other side? Yeah, what's yeah. on yeah. the other side? Yeah. And that's what's always kept me going. Yeah, I don't know. See, because when I was little, my parents always told me that I needed a bubble because I was that like prone to accidents. So mountain hunting for me is kind of like, oh, will I die? <laughs> like it's a bit scary for me. Well, I think yeah. that's I think that's part of it, you know. Yeah. But it's equally if you go elephant hunting too in the in the Jess, yeah, uh, yeah you can stretch your luck there too a few too few too times too many. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, um, now mountain hunting New Zealand, uh, it's it's really hard to I think it's hard to better it. Put it yeah. That way. Especially yeah. if you do it the right way, you yeah. climb from the bottom up and. I've yeah. done a lot of tar hunts over there over the years, and yeah. um, and chamois hunts, and I was over there last year hunting red deer with Tom Jones, and that was good fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the stags are roaring. Yeah, yeah. We, we certainly love New Zealand. Yeah. We yeah. we go almost every year. In fact, for the last three years, three years has been every yeah. year. Yeah. So, is but, is um, there an animal that you're still waiting to get, like that you really really want to get? Really want to get. There's yeah. lots of stuff I really would like to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it depends, I suppose, where you go. I mean, I've just come back. I was in uh, Namibia again in October. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I've probably probably been in Namibia four or five times in the yeah. last 30 years, 35 years. I went there for the first time in about 1982, I think it was. Yeah. And I was also in South Africa at that time. And then I didn't go back again until 2017 and realised how much I liked Namibia. Yeah, yeah. And I took one of my sons with me and we did another... I did a 10-day hunt there and a 10-day hunt in the Eastern Cape. Yeah, there were some animals there. That I suppose I'm a bit of a hunter and a collector too. Um, yeah. So you know, I've got I've pretty much got most of the plains game. Um, yeah. uh, there are some of the dick dicks and other little bits and pieces that I haven't got. Um, it's, to go back on the theme of mountain hunting, I really I've got two out of the four North American wild sheep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the four major ones anyway. Uh, I hunt. I've got a a really good uh, stone. Sh- a really good. Um, uh, white sheep from New Zealand, uh, from Alaska. Yeah. Uh, doll sheep. Yeah. Uh, I've got a good uh, bighorn as well. I had it twice for stone sheep many, many years ago and didn't get one. Yeah. Um, so maybe what I really would like to do, and it all gets down to money these days because yeah. they're so expensive, yeah. is uh, yeah. I want to have another crack at the stone sheep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there are a few good places where you can go now where the quotas are really quite good. Yeah. Although the prices, of course, are ridiculous compared to what it was when I was hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And, a, and a desert bighorn, I'd like to get one of those yeah. as well. And there's a couple nice places there, but the prices are just outrageous. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got a, a 10 foot 2 inch brown bear, so I, you know, I, I, oh, I'm so jealous. I've done all right. <laughs> I've done all right with that, but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I've shot lions, leopards, Cape buffaloes, uh, elephants. Uh, the only thing I haven't bothered with is rhinos. I, I could have shot a, a rhino in 1982 when I was over there. Yeah. Um, I could have shot. A, I, I couldn't have shot, but I saw rhino, black rhinos in the uh, in the Dandy in nineteen eighty three. They're not there now, but yeah. uh, they were in the wild in those days. Not that you could hunt them. So I could have shot a rhino in South Africa in nineteen eighty two, but they, they, to me they weren't a trophy in the sense that they were wild. They were. Yeah. They were just based. Yeah. You know, people wanted a rhino. They shot a rhino. Well, I wasn't really all that interested. In yeah. 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 So I pretty much shot all of those things that there is to shoot. Yeah. Over the years. Um, most recently, mm, 
I think, again, it gets back to the mountain theme. I'd, I'd be pretty keen to go uh, into Central Asia and shoot some of the sheep there Yeah. Um, if I had the opportunity, um, yeah. if that ever happens. Uh, what else is there? Europe, Russia? Um, yeah, and no, I wouldn't mind. I've hunted in Europe. Uh, I've mm-hmm. shot... Uh, uh, when was I used to go over there a bit because with my uncle he 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 died at the age of ninety two he had been a lifetime hunter in Poland yeah yeah um, he uh, shot some nice red stags and roe deer and all that sort of stuff over the years mm-hmm. um, I I think it was the last time I was over there in the in Europe was two thousand hunting was uh, two thousand and sixteen I think it was two thousand seventeen yeah and I I spent the last part of the trip. I uh, went with my wife and we, I went to Glam's Castle where the uh, Queen Mother was brought up and yeah. uh, hunted roe deer on, the, on her on the estate. Yeah, right. That was that was really good. Yeah, yeah. I shot, I shot yeah. a bronze medal buck. Yeah. And uh, an ordinary buck, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I got them both mounted on the wall at home. It's good. Yeah, um, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, there's there's some Asian sheep, you know, like snow sheep and stuff like that. I wouldn't mind. Yeah. Um, I would have got to Mongolia this year if I had a chance, but. Uh, when I finally got to making inquiries about the tag, the two tags were available. They were they were sold already to a mate of mine. So mm-hmm. um, I've got I've shot got a good twelve point bull from um, New Mexico. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few others. So yeah, I, I, what else is there? Hmm. What's the What's the scariest thing or scariest moment you ever had while hunting? Scariest. Yeah. <laughs> scariest moment. I fell off. I fell off a mountain in uh, in on the west coast of New Zealand. Oh, that uh, would be scary. Yeah. Our taxidermist did, in New Zealand did that this year, tar hunting. Yeah, he fell off fell off a mountain. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he survived, but he fell a long way. Well, I, good one hundred and fifty meters or something. No, I didn't fall that far. I fell off yeah. a rock uh, in the on the up uh, one of the tributaries of the wild natives on the west coast. Yeah, and uh, I managed to get a hold of myself and hold myself up. And I looked down, and I was that far off the ground. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, our taxidermist rolled down the hill. He, he basically fell into the shale um, and just rolled and uh, broke ribs, arm, collarbones, yeah. you know, just really smashed it. Yeah, oh, really I... Chopper flight out. I think I've know. been pretty... Like medi- medivaced. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky. I was just trying to think. I've been pretty lucky overall. Uh, look, the scariest things you can do... Uh, uh, if you're hunting dangerous game, really, I mean, yeah. Or, or, and like you say, in the mountains, if, you, if you're not careful, especially if it's a bit slippery, yeah, and a bit cold, and the, the it gets quite icy in New Zealand, high up early in the morning, you've got to be very, very careful. Um, I I did a, a hunt on the west coast uh, two years ago where I tore all my ligaments off my shoulder, and um, I I lost my balance and went over, but luckily there was a lot of a lot of sort of monkey scrub stuff, and I managed to hold on. But I yeah, could have right. fallen 150 meters there. Yeah. And I had my backpack on as well. I had a 45 kilo, 50 kilo pack. Yeah. 40 kilo pack on my back. So. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, I, I don't. I didn't feel that I was going to get. I was in danger, but I, I'm. I'm pretty good at holding on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think you've got to be careful. Um, and I think probably as you get a little older, certainly I'm getting. A little, I'm probably a little, taking things a little bit too blasé. Mm. Um, so, like elephant hunting, for example, can be very, very dangerous. Yeah. And especially some of the places where you you would chase them in the uh, in the riverine Jess and, and yeah. things like that, where yeah. you can't see them. Um, 
Uh, it seems amazing to think that you can't see an elephant. Yeah, yeah. Well. I mean, you know, it, 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 like how large they are and whatever else. They, it? they are very large. Yeah. Very quiet. Yeah. And um, and and I've got quite bad tinnitus from a lifetime of shooting. So yeah, I, I remember once we were stalking a bull. Uh, we chased him all day uh, backwards, and he crossed the river six times. Yeah. Um, we chased him because it was a it was a problem animal control hunt. And uh, uh, anyway, we we were in this really really thick stuff and. We found a big pile of dung and we showed the finger in there, it was hot. Yeah. So he wasn't far in front of us. And, uh, and uh, I was standing right next to the professional hunter and the tracker was sort of in front of us, but we couldn't see him. Yeah. Um, next thing you know, he comes running this way past us all. And the, the professional hunter said to me, he said, Robert, run. <laughs> so that's what we did, we ran. Yeah. This elephant, you could hear it crashing through and it crashed right past us. Wow. Uh, yeah. But if it had been on the wrong line, he might have knocked it. He did. He he obviously must have got our wind. He had no idea where we were. Yeah. He just yeah. went. I'm gone out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but um, yeah. So you just don't know how these things. There've been a few a few occasions where you get in the really thick stuff. Uh, uh, we, and there's a lot of cow cow elephants and other things in there. And the best thing to do is just turn around and sneak out again because yeah. Yeah. you just don't know how it's going to end up. And there's no point in pushing it. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of people who like to see me get stamped. That's, yeah. that's fine. I'm, yeah. Would, would elephant be the most dangerous animal you think you've hunted? Or? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. What rifle did you use, do you mind my asking? Uh, well, I've got, I've, got, um, I've got about three or four different rifles I've used over the years. I've got a, uh, I've got a, a Holland Holland, it's actually 458, a double rifle. Yeah. Uh, it's a, um, it's a Centennial uh, uh, rifle, which uh, I actually bought off a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously made in the UK. Yeah. Uh, in about a 1982, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I've got one. I've I've shot I've shot a couple of elephants with a um, uh, a uh, what do they call it um, Heim Heim double rifle. Right. It actually fits yeah. me better than yeah. the uh, than the Holland. Yeah. Um, it's also in four five eight wind mag because it that just happened to be the caliber it was. Yeah. Yeah. People say, oh, that's not traditional. It kills just as well as anything else. Yeah, yeah. And I've yeah. shot about two or three elephants with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I built a 500 um, Jeffrey. Yeah. And uh, if you want something that's really authoritative when it comes to finishing elephants or stopping them, that, that really works well. Yeah, Another yeah. reason why my shoulder shoulder wasn't all that good. Yeah. I, I had that rifle built. I got it built for me. Yeah. Um, on a... Uh, on a uh, on a Johansson uh, long action, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, what's the other? Oh, I've got a, I've got a four hundred four as well. Yeah, um, I've shot a couple of elephants with that as well. So yeah, uh, and the four hundred four is really neat to shoot. Um, yeah, it's a bit, I, it's a bit like shooting a thirty oh six really, but so uh, yeah, okay. So uh, yeah. any of those, any of the above, work really well. Yeah. And uh, uh, if you want to do the traditional stuff, well, that's certainly a double rifle is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you do need a really fast follow-up shot, which I, I have had to do a couple of times. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's very quick, very useful, and very handy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, certainly something... Um, I've, I've not actually even thought about hunting an elephant at this stage. I mean, my... Kind of my, my next... The, the big game or dangerous animal I want to hunt it would be bear, so... And yeah. it probably will be in Russia. Um, I, I'd like to go to Russia and hunt bears. So. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. It's, yeah. Uh, the, um, 
the, the brown bear I shot in Alaska. I, I, I had been I've been to Alaska three times hunting. Um, yeah. Each time I buy all the tags. Yeah. Um, I passed up a few bears in the early trips, and then when I found the one I wanted, then I shot him. But I, I mean, it really wasn't dangerous in the sense that uh, we we stalked him in the in the thick stuff and. Yeah, um, yeah. We found him and uh, I shot him three times at about 25 feet. Yeah. But the 338 wind mag just uh, smashes them. Yeah, but yeah. But he didn't go down until the third shot, so. Yeah, right. It shows how tough they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there really wasn't any real threat from him at all, but. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if he did got a chance to get a bit of pace on, he would have knocked us off, but. Yeah, uh, yeah. He yeah. didn't get a chance to. I got the first bullet into him before we realised we were there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to shoot a bear with my bow, but at the moment I practice <laughs> you want to practice a lot if you're going to do that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. bow hunting is very very difficult yeah mm. yeah Tash has had quite a bit of success with it she's um she's done quite well I hunted a Nyala in Africa last year and that was amazing ever, like ever since yeah. then I'm just like can we go back mm. <laughs> yeah well, they do it they do a lot of bow hunting in Namibia yeah you see a lot of that there yeah um, yeah Every uh, you every sort of waterhole or whatever it is, that, or a, whether it's a dam or a mm. or a, they they all are set up for bow hunting. Yeah. Well, yeah. we did because um, they they did tell us that we can sit in a hide or anything like that, and I I was like, no, I want to spot and stalk it like we do usually. So. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we took about three days to spot and stalk in Yala, um, and actually we we were chasing one the first day um, through this little dry riverbed that they were um, frequenting. And second day we turned up and the Nyala that we were chasing was dead. Black Mamba bite or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So, um, ended up getting my one on day three. And then after that, um, the guide told me that I can take the head from the one that died as well because they weren't going to do anything with it. So, I'm getting a Zulu shield mounted with a <laughs> shoulder mount of my one and then a skull mount of the other one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. That's it's good. Look really cool. Yeah. You've got to be in it to win it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, she's done well. Yeah, and yeah. It's not easy, like you say, bow hunting. Um, Takes a lot of know. patience. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, You've got to be ready to be disappointed, put it that way. Yeah, yeah well, I, I film a lot of it, and I tell you what, I've been disappointed a number of times. <laughs> well, I mean, Just for filming. me, I, I need to be within 40 yards because yep. I'm not that strong, so I need to be within that, that distance. And there were so many days where we were within 50 yards or... 48 yards and it was just that little bit too far and we were sitting there for hours and hours and hours trying to wait for them to come closer to us and then they'd go another way yeah yeah, yeah. it's it is uh, it sucks mm. but it's really rewarding at the same time well i just put the bow down and pick up a rifle and you'll be okay <laughs> yeah that's exactly that's, what that's her what, sister said yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what jess does yeah jess jess said i could have shot that thing five times already <laughs> yeah and been home for lunch yeah <laughs> Anyways, um, back to the, of the, the SFFP um, and the politics around, you know, what's happening, I guess, uh, for us. And it, it's something kind of close to us as well because we, we do a lot of advocacy stuff and we see that as a, almost like a requirement for our business at the end of the day to present, uh, uh, you know, not just hunting but fishing, subsistence, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and and the need for farmers to have this stuff, you know, taking place as well, um, to present it to the community because of the urbanisation mm, and everything mm. else that's out there, um, mm. and I, 
and I know my my general feeling in this is that if we don't start to push back on these things, um, then they'll just go down the route of like a ten eighty or, or or you know and, and just well it's, it, look it's even worse than that because I think what you'll see and you're seeing it, it develop in Europe where I mean there is no put America aside which is sort of got its hunting rights sort of tied up with its shooting rights, whereas yeah. we have no rights in Australia. Yeah. So everything we have, everything we want or we want to retain or develop, we have to fight for yeah, yeah. In, the, in the school of hard knocks. And they have hard knocks there too, but in the sense that we don't have any constitutional protections, we don't have a history of conservation and management of the animals that we like to hunt yeah. because they're all pests here by, by definition. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I had a lot of trouble in the early years explaining that to the Safari Club guys. You know, your conservation concepts are turned on their head in Australia. Yeah, yeah. You know, every deer, every pig, no matter what it is, if it's not native, it's a pest. Yeah, yeah. So you're always arguing with people why these animals are useful. Yeah. uh, Why they they should be conserved at least to the point where people can, uh, shouldn't be exterminated if they're on someone's property. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, And I think probably the same goes with farming too, because... um, People, especially the urban society that we are today, and increasingly are increasingly removed from the realities of what farms and farming are all about. Um, I don't know what you see here in Tasmania so much. I suspect it's like New South Wales. The, the difference between Sydney and the bush yeah. is like uh, chalk and cheese. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, in Sydney, you've got a very, very diverse cultural background. You've got you know 50, 60, 70 cultures all mixed up. Uh, you walk down the street where I live and you mostly see Chinese or uh, a- Asians of some sort. Yeah. And I've been living in the area for 45, 50 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've got no objection to that, but how many of these people actually culturally get out past the Blue Mountains in New South Wales and go out into the bush and see and know and understand? Yeah. Look, increasingly, they, are, they will only do it if we push them to do it, yeah. if we're talking to them, because they love it as much as us, but they're very much engaged in the early part of settlement into Australia, they're working hard to make a dollar to try to establish themselves as a family, yeah. just as my parents did when they first came to Australia. Mm-hmm. So it is incumbent upon us to push hard and push hard back. And the only way we're really going to do that is to make sure that we don't let the elitists uh, who have all the say and have all the money get away with it. And mm-hmm. that's why in uh, it's our view that we're the only party that actually advocates for the bush. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere in Australia. I mean, you you know, people say, oh, what about One Nation? One Nation is a protest party. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a party that was based on racism. Yeah. We, we don't care where you come from. We yeah. don't care who you are. We don't care whether you're male, female. We don't care whether you're a homosexual or whatever. That None of that's relevant. Yeah. As long as you understand that the bush is where it all starts. Yeah. And uh, if you like to hunt, you like to fish, you just want to go out and sit on the mountaintop, that's fine. Yeah. But don't tell other people what they should or shouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot of it gets down to ordinary common sense type stuff as well. So, you know, we used the slogan in the last campaign, we're biased for the bush. Yeah. And that's really what it got down to. Um, yeah, exactly. I don't care what you want to say. If you're not biased, if you don't start showing bias for the bush, within a generation you'll have no farming at all in Australia. Yeah. Certainly not in New South Wales, which is basically a desert state. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not like Tasmania, I suppose, but it's, it's you know, it, it really needs to be fought for. And there is no other party. I mean, uh, again, talking politics, the National Party in New South Wales long ago forgot about its bush roots, functionally mm. anyway. Yeah. They'll, they'll talk the talk, and when they're in power, they'll walk the walk by throwing money around. But in the end, I think they've got one farmer in the whole of the New South Wales Parliament. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, there's probably the 17, uh, sorry, about 13 of them in the lower house and six or seven in the upper house. Well, we all know about Barnaby's extracurricular activities. <laughs> I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge him on what he does in his spare time. If he's, it's not if he's, farming, that's for sure. No, well, that's right. He's certainly ploughing in different ways yeah. than you and I would. But look, in the end, um, I don't, I don't begrudge him. If, if that's if that's his stupid gig and he wants to have more kids, and then uh, that's fine. But he's not, he's not doing the right thing by his electorate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, he's he's you know I don't know anyway, but he's. What he should but be this doing. All, it all comes down to focus, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it, like at the end of the day, if you're focused on the community you're involved with, yep. you know, then then and your heart is in that place, you know, you, you're representing those people and you're holding a standard. Well, you know, at I the think, end of the I day, think that's right. I, but I think part of the problem, especially with the nationals, is that they're not the government. They yeah. are in government, but they're not yeah. the government. The government is the majority of the uh, of that coalition, and that's the Liberals, yeah. and they call the shots and. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's just that's just the way it is, and we're seeing that in New South Wales. We're seeing a lot of uh, propaganda coming out of the nationals now that we're presenting a challenge to them, uh, and yeah. we will present a challenge at the federal election too. We, um, given the proximity of the state and the federal elections this year in New South Wales, um, we weren't able to do very much. But we ran a half baked, um, a half baked uh, uh, campaign in the federal election, just one seat. Yeah, and without even really trying, we got seventeen percent, nearly eighteen percent. Yeah, right. So we are going to have a really good shake at it at the next federal election, um, and I don't know whether it's three or four country federal seats. Well, if we can find the right candidates, yeah, they've got to be the right candidates. Uh, we will give it a good shake. I think we can. We know how to campaign. Yeah, we do it very well. Um, we're very professional. We're very measured. We're very careful, and we're quite well financed. So. Yeah, okay. Um, I think we can give it a shake. Whether we win a seat or not, I don't really know. In yep. the past, our 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 uh, preference would have been to get an upper house seat, a Senate seat in Canberra. Yeah. Uh, I've completely flipped over on that now. I reckon it, we'd be better off with a lower house seat if we can get one or two if we're really lucky. Okay. And we, and we do the job properly. Yeah. So long term, what's uh, like? Um, what's the ultimate vision for the SFFP? Like, is it is it just a number of seats? Is it just I look certainly the longer term in New South Wales is to is to increase our footprint, uh, both state and federal, as much as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, we know we know we're being effective because we're seeing now the government, the nationals in particular, both at a state and federal level, starting to pinch our ideas. Yeah. And our campaign. I mean that's the classic way. I mean you see it all the time with the major parties. Yeah. Um, long term is to get. People elected here in Tasmania. Yeah. Get people. We've already got people in Victoria, but to grow that. Yeah. Same in Western Australia. Uh, Queensland's a bit harder, but we've got a very enthusiastic team up there. Yeah. Um, Northern Territory, I'm not really sure about, but the whole idea is to get as much as we can everywhere. Okay. Yeah. All right. Excellent. And if we do that, well, then we can obviously make some inroads into it and influence uh, the politics of uh, what we we're, we say we're centre right political party yeah uh, I don't think there's much uh, in that space anymore politically um, certainly the Liberal Party are very much a, a left of centre on a lot of issues yeah um, I agree and, uh, and the Labor Party just gone to the got two lefts gone yeah. too far to the left two left majors and yeah and, and uh, a lot of minors and then you've got the, and you've got the Greens who've been really sort of pushing the agenda and the envelope to the left for so long it's ridiculous to the point now where they're destroying agriculture they're destroying forestry yeah. they're destroying 
you, you know, we're, we're now seeing, you know, all this nonsense with uh, climate change. That's the latest, of course, yeah. and greatest yeah. thing that every prediction you get is, you know, oh, the world's about to the end, and now we've got the climate change emergency and you know, all the nonsense that comes out of that. Yeah. Um, and none of those people know what they want when they're talking about that. Well, they don't. You so go to the rallies and they're like, oh, we want things to change. Well, change, not change, sure what, to, though. change to what? That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm old enough to know what communism was like, and I've seen I've seen socialism and through a communist model being yeah. exercised. And um, if you want to see real poverty, go and live in Venezuela. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Go and live in a socialist system. Mm. Yeah. How do we affect the the youth? I mean, I, from my perspective, I've taught my own kids. You know, and and. I guess, you know, the Greens would look at me and say that I've indoctrinated them, you know. And, and, well, and they don't do the same? Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess one of the things that I see, and I, I work a lot of, a lot of my, uh, my, my other work outside of, of hunting and everything else is in the city. Um, and, um, and you see these young guys in the city and whatever else, and, and they are so detached from mm. anything to do with hunting, fishing, farming, you know, rural lifestyle, you know, uh, their, their idea of doing something in the outback or, or you know, is to go and, and do a manicured walk, you know, on some track that's on an app, you know, and, and gives them a fully guided tour of where they've got to go. Well, I mean, it even goes down to like walking through Melbourne the other day with you, you see that they've put a big park in there and they're like, oh, look, we have all this nature, but they have things around the trees so no possums can get up them. So nature's not actually allowed there. Yeah. There's yeah, no yeah, animals allowed. Well, yeah, same in Sydney, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they don't want these old trees yeah. destroyed by, by possums, you know. Yeah. Hang on, that, I thought that's supposed to be natural. <laughs> yeah. They're natives, you know. Why can't yeah. a possum crawl up there and chew yeah. the hell out of yeah. those trees? So what I see, I guess, Robert, it, it, to kind of shorten that and give you the ability to answer something, but what I see is that we're continually uh, minimising the 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 capacity for people to understand nature and and minimizing the capacity for them to understand the rural lifestyle mm. and because we're urbanizing everything and this i, I honestly i, I the, the the biggest lie ever sold i think is the disney lie at the end of the day mm. you know we're we're constantly humanizing animals um, and humanizing nature and i don't i don't see how how ultimately um, I, I guess I don't have an answer how we affect that in a, in a big way. You know, all of these other people are looking at, like these climates, climate science bloody um, extremists and everything else, they all put these big things on it. We try and be honest and we try and be clear and we just say, hey, wait a minute, you know, here's the sensible stuff. Yeah, look, I think, I think um, look, there's no simple answer to this thing. I mean, this... This sort of process has been going on, or this push has been going on for decades and decades and decades. Mm. And uh, it's a political movement that's that is based in a a desire for cultural change, and that's the way I see it. Yeah. Um, there's increasing levels of wealth around the world. Um, there's a good book called the uh, The Road to Somewhere. Get a hold of that. I can't remember who wrote it, but have a read yeah. of that. And yeah. Basically, what it what it's saying is that the whole world now is really turning into a bunch of bunch of people who, uh, especially in Western societies and or even the other societies, they all live somewhere, and it's getting harder and harder for them to make a living yeah. and to keep things rolling forward. So they're very focused on the net, the, the the now and the here. Yeah. But then there's a very large and 
growing group who can live anywhere and do whatever they like and afford whatever they want. Yeah, okay. And, and I suppose you might say this is the elites have always had the power, but yeah. but that's actually starting to change. And yeah. the books are really based around what happened in Brexit. Yeah. There's a couple of other books written around what happened with Trump. Mm. So I think what I'm getting to saying is that there is, just as it was a long, slow boil with the Green Movement, uh, you know, wishing for originally wishing for uh, the best of intentions to, to make society a little bit better, a bit more focused on. Uh, it's It's gone to the left's social agenda mm. uh, and, and social Marxism. Um, so over time, if we push the, the political barrow, it's, it's not, it's not uh, something that can't be done, it's something that will be done. In yeah. other words, there's still 51%, 52%, 60% of people out there who are ordinary people like you and me. Yeah. yeah. Who all we've got to do is keep doing what we do what you're doing right here now. Yeah. What yeah. we're doing with our party. And you think we'll see that swing back? If we we will see a swing yeah. back or we'll see a balancing. Yeah. Um I mean there's no doubt in my mind for example that Trump will be re-elected. Yeah. There's no question of that. Question is what happens after that? Yeah. You know with Boris Johnson he will go to the the, the election and despite the deniers in the UK not wanting a Brexit yeah. and ignoring the, the desire, the democratic desire of the British people uh, three and a bit years ago, yeah. they will walk away from eventually, uh, for whatever their own reasons are, uh, the European Union. Yeah. And we'll see the same thing develop here in Australia. I mean, there's a, we've, we've done some research recently into uh, political opinions around um, the major parties and the other minor parties in Western Sydney, Newcastle and Wollongong because these are areas where traditionally a shooter's, fishers and farmers party hasn't done all that well. Yeah, okay. And what we've, what we've found out is that uh, there's plenty of opportunities mm. depending on how we message. Yeah, okay. With people that basically got the same fundamental values as us but they don't know what to where to focus and where to go. Yeah, okay. So it's a matter of continuing the process and the political battle yeah. and continuing the communication through, I mean, um, the internet and social media yeah. hasn't only benefited the left, it's benefited the right too. Yeah. You've only got, as a, you go back to well, look what Trump's done. Yeah. You know, yeah. Trump has become the master of, you know, the, the grab yeah. and the insult. He's pretty funny. Uh, 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 he's, you know, they, he, he's abs because he doesn't need their money and he doesn't need their support. Yeah. He's appealed over the heads of the elites and gone straight to the people. Yeah, yeah. love him or hate him, I, I actually enjoy his job. No, no, I love him. He set a business model for all sorts. Yeah. I just wish I, that we had as much money as he did. We yeah. didn't care. Yeah. We could do what we like too. But, but uh, look, I, so I, I'm actually the opposite. I think these things swings and roundabouts. Mm -hmm. As long as you're prepared to engage yeah. and push back, yeah. and I think that's the important thing. If and the, the trouble is that there still is a very large, especially on the fishing side of things. Yeah, there's a very large uh, group of people there that simply take fishing for granted. And there's a lot we can lose. And there's a lot to lose. That's mm. right. Um, yeah. I think on the farming side in New South Wales, especially yeah. with the drought there, and the focus that we've been able to bring in a very short period of time political focus that is to what the effects of city-based decision making has ha had on the ability of farmers to survive drought 
Yeah. I mean, it's very clear in New South Wales now that the drought we're suffering was started by nature, but it's been made worse by government policy and politicians. Yeah, yeah. And as recent as this morning, uh, Helen Dalton, our member for Murray, was talking about exactly that on Alan Jones on 2GB. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's shocking their reaction time on this stuff as well. I mean, oh yeah, you know, they're being bloody hopeless. That's right. And look, the reality also is that the, from a media point of view, the twenty-four hour news grab doesn't help. Yeah. But I know from uh, my two sons who are thirty-four now, um, yeah. they get most of their news not off the traditional uh, um, sources. They get yeah. their news off exactly what you're doing here. Yeah. Off, off, you know various podcasts you know yeah. whether it's uh, what's his name Ranella or yeah, whether yeah. it's um, uh, some of the other American ones yeah and Joe Rogan Joe Rogan that's the name one, I, was, yeah. well, yeah. I, I don't have time to listen to all those people but uh, Joe listens to us mate does he? yeah oh, I well. think so I don't hello, think hello, Joe. I really don't think hello I Joe I love your work mate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certainly my son's always quoting him to me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm saying is there's plenty of opportunity there it's just a matter of enough people doing it to keep the thing moving and uh, it's, you need the political representation you need the numbers in the institutions yeah. and the Greens learnt that long ago yeah um, yeah yeah they uh, the trouble trouble with the left is that the Labour Party sold themselves out to the Greens so that they've completely lost the plot now as far as certainly politics in Australia and New South Wales especially is concerned because the Greens have, have usurped the far left of their politics and now that we saw what happened in the last federal election here in in Australia, that yeah. the the uh, the Labor Party tried to outgreen the Greens, and especially when it came to radical left wing policies, whether it's tax or social yeah. agenda or or you know those sort of things, it's and left a foul taste in the mouth of most of the voters here in Tassie yeah. about the whole Greens thing. So well, I, I don't know what Labor's going to do this next election because if they do go with a coalition government with the Greens. You know, I, I reckon that's going to be... It'll be the death of their next political movement, you know. Well, we're, we're, cer- we're certainly... Um, we're certainly... Uh, our focus uh, is on Tasmania now. I mean, yeah. the Tasmanian branch uh, is being run by a bunch of very smart people. Yeah. Um, they're certainly looking for some encouragement, a bit of training and a bit of money, and we're, we're going to try and provide all of those to them to try with the right support locally if we can find the right candidates. Yeah, fantastic. But they've got to be culturally the right people too. We're not interested in... Uh, the uh, the Lambies of this world who will, will get up on one banner and then end yeah. up somewhere else Just doing their own thing. Polarised, yeah, yeah, whatever's popular. Um, you know, we've got policies, we've got an agenda, and uh, we want to work that through as much as possible. And uh, and you know, we've got off to a very very good start in the lower house in New South Wales, and we hope to be able to capitalise on that in the next federal election, and maybe hopefully again in the next state election in New South Wales. Fantastic. Well, I certainly hope so too. Um, Robert, we'll wrap it up there. And um, that's Robert Borsak, MLC, um, and uh, leader of the SFFP. Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening. And thank you very much, Robert, for for coming along and um, and being on the podcast, mate. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Cheers, mate. just, um, Just before we wrap up, actually, I'll say one more thing. If any of you guys are listening to this and you're one of our followers... Um, get on board SFFP I'm a member the kids are a member we need to support something we need to get out there and actually make sure that what we do as a culture and what we do as a community is actually going to stay alive and that's what this whole message is about today so get amongst it get, get on board and if you can support it
even with your time and effort and everything else, because it's the only way your sport and your culture is going to survive, Volunt- whether it's fishing, volunteers. farming, or, or hunting. Mm, volunteers are what you need. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a good one.